In Magic, there's an archetype called Red Deck Wins, and one of the tenets of that philosophy is to go fast. One easy way to do that is with haste. By not having to worry about summoning sickness, creatures can attack sooner or activate abilities as soon as they enter the battlefield. Something else that comes, comes at us fast is spoilers for upcoming sets. So stay a while and listen as we discuss Haste and Dominaria United. Hello and welcome to this episode of Magic Gathering Under the Hood. I'm your host Chris and I'm joined by Joe. Say hi Joe. Hello everybody. And we like to take a deeper look into the mechanics and goings-on of the wonderful game of Magic the Gathering. And this show focus is going to be around haste. With the Later on in the episode, we'll talk about our reactions and thoughts on the new set that's coming out, Dominary United. Uh, so, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you want to give us a show idea, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at MTG Under the Hood. All right. So, Joe, what have you been working on? What decks? Well, I have three. Three that I've been working on recently. The first is a... Well, it, was, it was built for a legacy event that we were having at our LGS. We didn't have many people show up, but that's okay. It turned into, like, a mostly mono-black discard deck where I was going to force players to discard cards, and I would end up discarding as well, end up killing them with uh, enchantments like Megram, or just simply taking away all of their options, and and winning with things like uh, Nighthawk Scavenger, or Graveyard Trespasser, or my favorite, Croxa, all right? the, the big titan mm-hmm. from, from Theros Beyond Death. Unfortunately, when I ended up playing it, I played against one of our guys who likes to run reanimator decks, and so all that discarding I was making him do didn't do squat. Uh, I managed to surgical extraction his Liliana's at one point, uh, which I think he was running Lily of the Veil, all right? And so I, I did manage to surgical extraction that once, but it, it did not go very well. Now, my other deck that I'm excited about is a an EDH deck. It is Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. This is a, an, a relatively unknown card. It came in the Obscura Precon from New Capenna. Its ability is, first, it's, it's a 3-3. It costs three generic, a black, and a blue. And it's, one of its abilities is that it costs one generic less for each different mana value among mana values in your graveyard. So that's really nice. I can, you know, put things in the yard and get him out a little bit quicker. Great. But he also has the triggered ability, whenever you discard a card, you may cast that card from your graveyard. So what I've ended up doing is taking a bunch of cards that allow me to draw, but then require me to discard, for example, Merfolk Looter, draw a card, discard a card. Well, if I have Oscar on the field, I'm able to draw that card, discard a card at the same time, Oscar goes off, and the card that I just discarded, I can still play it at no no penalty and no fear. It works really well with Connive as well, since I'm drawing and discarding. But the best, one of the best instances I had with this. So the first time I went to play it, actually, you might have been there. We were at, at a Wednesday Commander, and I had one of, my, one of my creatures, he was like a 7-8, and he would Connive X, where X was the amount of damage dealt to the opponent. 
And I swung in with my 7-8 thinking there is no way he's going to let me hit him for 7 damage and then get to connive. But he did. He took all 7, and so I got to connive 7, and I think I played six, 5 or 6 of the cards off of that connive trigger thanks to Oscar being out on the field. It works really, really well. I like the deck. I was excited about the commander when I first saw it. I, I, I do. I like the deck. I think it's, it's different. It's obscure. Um, it's a lot of fun. Well, it works when you remember that your commander is not in the command zone. Yes, there was also that. Um, I did end up having to leave that game because I forgot that they had killed my commander off, and I was playing for a little while as if my commander was still on the field because it's just it's what I've been doing for turn after turn after turn after turn. So I just got excited and wasn't paying attention like I should and eventually just looked at everybody and said, you know what, I've messed up the game so much, I'm out, you guys keep playing. Uh, the other one that I'm working on is actually Cedrus, the Deceiver King. This is a card that originally came from Shards of Alara. It's, it costs three generic and then a blue, a black, and a red. And basically it, it gives all creatures in my graveyard unearth. And so I can pay two generic and a black, and that's the unearth cost that Cedrus gives them, to bring them back from the graveyard, put them on the battlefield. They get haste, but they get exiled. If at the end of turn, or if they would leave the battlefield for any reason. So my idea, outside of being just a standard reanimator deck, I'm also going to put in things like Conjurer's Closet. I'm going to put in things like Deadeye Navigator. I'm going to put in things like Thassa the Deep Dwelling, which allows me to blink the creatures, sending them into exile, which is fine. That's where they were going to go anyway. But then, because they went into exile from, say, a blink effect then they'll actually come back to the battlefield as a new object, not remembering that they're supposed to get exiled if they would leave the battlefield again, or even sacrificed at end of turn. So, I got some ideas working on that one. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to run it yet, but it's it's very baseline. Right now, Dominaria United is taking up a lot of my time. That's, that's what we're... So, Chris, what are you brewing right now? So, I'm brewing... Uh, well, rebrewing uh, Brewback because um, I have him as a tiny leader right now. What I want to do is expand it into a full-fledged commander deck. Uh, that way, I can and I'll have a list with it. That way, I know which ones are f which ones for tiny leader, which ones for commander. You know, that way I can have it nice and. Oh, so up. you would have it where it could actually be both, yeah. depending on what you want to play. Yeah, my modular nice. my modular idea. Nice. But other than that, I've actually kind of like taken a small break from magic and everything okay. mostly for mental health and also because i'm getting back into destiny because today as of recording was the start of the new season and so okay home and this one is actually fun because i get to be a pirate Yay. Nice. Um, <laughs> but home um, but brewback is i did play the tasa tiny leader yeah it kind of worked but didn't really because you killed off Pretty much my biggest win con. Yeah. Because I couldn't really protect it. But it's aristocrat, so I had to find the the balance between creatures and payoff and everything and like that. And that's the hardest thing about an aristocrat stuff. It really is. Um, But other than that, just kind of taking a break and perusing the spoilers and everything every nice. now and then. So, yeah. Other than that, just kind of taking a mental health break. That's yeah, all good. Every now and then we need that step back a little bit from the game. Helps us enjoy it more when we finally do come back to play. So we only have one word to live by for this episode, and it is summoning sickness, which I think we did a while back, but that's okay. We're going to go ahead and review this word just to make sure. 
Summoning sickness is really important to today's episode, as that's what haste tries to negate. Summoning sickness is actually an informal term for a player's inability to attack with a creature or to activate its abilities that include the tap symbol or the untap symbol unless the creature has been under that player's control since the beginning of that player's most recent turn. And you can actually see rule 302.6 or the entry for haste for more information about summoning sickness. Um, summoning sickness actually comes from the original way many of the cards were printed, where instead of it saying creature dash whatever the creature type happens to be, it would actually say summon and then whatever the creature type happens to be. So that came from the original version of the game and how it was worded and the idea behind it being you know, you were a planeswalker dueling another planeswalker and you were summoning creatures up from some plane of existence to do your bidding. Um, and so the idea that you could not attack with them or use their tap abilities the first turn they were in play was the idea that they had become ill from traveling through the blind eternities to come to where you were so they could fight for you and thus the term summoning sickness was born. But it did make an appearance on cards. We'll talk about that for a little bit. And actually it's coming back with Dominaria United. You'll see Summoning Sickness again printed on cards as a colloquial informal term. So going back to the whole summon creature, yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, the legendary creatures, mm-hmm. uh, some of them had uh, summon, uh, summon legend creature, and then in the text box it would actually say this card counts as yes. this creature type. Yes. Because yeah. I have one, and it's by far one of my favorites. It's in my Kahira deck. And uh, it's a uh, mirror. Uh, it's one of the original, like it, an old cat creature. Oh, the old Miri. Yeah, like the the mono green one. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I have that in there, and I, was, I have a couple of really old cards that that still say summon creature or summon legend. Yeah. And I was like, those ones are like my prize. Those ones are like the little like feel good cards that I have. Yeah. Like because it's like all right, that's a piece of history. Exactly. Chris, our show, fo- our, yeah, our show focus for today is haste. So talk to us about what has haste been like for this time in Magic. So it has been around since Alpha. There were two cards in Alpha that had haste. And it was originally written as essentially this creature can attack and use abilities requiring it uh, to tap the turn it comes into play. By Visions, it was rewritten to say this creature is unaffected by summoning sickness. And then in Masquerine Masks, it was keyworded as haste, still meaning unaffected by summoning sickness. Right. And we, we see wizards doing this a lot. They'll take what was originally a long line of text and try to shorten it down so they can get other text in the text box on the card. Um, and to go from this creature is able to attack and use abilities requiring it to tap the turns it comes into play all the way down to haste, Frees up a lot of space on the card. Yep. Yeah. The rules for haste are really rather simple. Comes to us from 702, that section in the CR. 702.10a. Haste is a static ability, meaning it is always present on the creature. 702.10b. If a creature has haste, it can attack even if it hasn't been controlled by its controller continuously since their most recent turn began. Now, this includes blinking the creature. If you were to, during your first main phase for some reason, 
take that creature, exile it, and then bring it back under your control immediately, it does not have the ability to attack that turn unless it has haste. So make sure you keep that in mind when you're blinking creatures. 702.10c. If a creature has haste, its controller can activate its activated abilities, whose cost includes the tap symbol or the untap symbol, even if that creature hasn't been controlled by that player continuously since their most recent turn began. And again, same idea here. We want to make sure that people know if you blink the creature, it's a new object. It has no memory of what it was before. It has not been under your control since the beginning of your most recent turn if you blink it. And so therefore, you cannot use abilities, activated abilities, that require it to tap or untap uh, using that symbol. All right. And finally, 702.10d, multiple instances of haste on the same creature are redundant. Uh, there is one, I think one creature that does have, it's from an unset, it actually has super haste or something like that that enables it to attack out of your hand, but, or the turn before it comes into play. It's really, really rather interesting. So all that fun stuff. Chris, talk to us about some of the featured cards that use haste. So the first one that we're going to talk about is from Alpha. It's Nether Shadow. It's a summon shadow or creature spirit. Um, it costs black, black, and it's a 1-1. One, one, and it has, uh, if shadow is in the graveyard with any combination of cards above it that include at least three creatures, it can be returned to the play during uh, upkeep for its normal casting cost. Shadow can attack uh, on same turn, summoned, or return to play. Uh, so the oracle text of it is haste at the beginning of your upkeep. If Nether Shadow is in your graveyard with three or more creature cards above it, you may put Nether Shadow onto the battlefield. And let's point out real quick that that three or more creature cards above it actually mattered in many of the early versions of Magic. And in fact, there is a rule in the magic tournament rules that and i forget which i want to say it's visions if you are playing with cards from visions and backwards right visions backwards to alpha you are actually not allowed to rearrange the order in which cards go to your graveyard for this precise reason because nether shadow is one of those cards that cares about where it is in your graveyard ever since then like, if we're playing in standard day, you can shuffle through your graveyard and put it back in whatever order you want. It's really not a big deal because cards don't care about that anymore. And in fact, a lot of people will, you know, if they have something in their deck that really cares about that, they will reorder their graveyard to fit what works best for their deck. Because um, I, I reorder, yeah. whenever I'm playing Sir Conrad, I care, right. about cre I care about creatures in my graveyard. So if I have a, if my graveyard is getting somewhat big, I'll go through it. And, exactly. And reorganize it to where the creatures are on top because I reanimate things. Yeah. I also have cards. Uh, I have one card in particular, Song of the Damned, where I get to add black mana equal to the number of creatures that I control. Exactly. So that, so I can see why that would matter. Yeah. But in that case, you're actually there. There is policy in the tournament rules that you are not allowed to reorder your graveyard. Playing, and I, I want to say it's visions and backwards. But there is one of the older sets uh, from the '90s or early two, yeah, from the '90s where you're. It specifically states you're not allowed to do that because cards care about the order of your graveyard. Next card we're going to look at is Viachino Sandstalker. It is a summon Viachino or a creature Viachino Warrior. It costs a generic, a red, and a red. It is a 4-2. Two. 
It has, at the end of any turn, returned Viashino Sand Sandstalker to its owner's hand, and Viashino Sandstalker is unaffected by summoning sickness. This was one of those first cards that we had where it changed from can attack and tap the turn it comes under your control to being unaffected by summoning sickness as a shorter way to get the same information out there. Also notice, if our listeners are paying attention, that they did actually use the colloquial summoning sickness on the card. So proving that even as early as Visions, uh, Wizards did pay attention to the language their players were using and tried to incorporate that colloquial slang into their cards whenever necessary. Chris, I know this next one is a favorite of yours. Why don't you talk about it? All right, so it is Concordant Crossroads. Enchant, it's a world enchantment, um, and it costs one green, and it has creatures may attack or use abilities that include the tap symbol during the turn they are brought into play. Or the oracle text, all creatures have haste. All creatures have haste mm -hmm. for a single green mana. But that's why it's a single green. All creatures have haste. Also, um, because it is a, an enchant world, there is only permitted to be one enchant world on the battlefield at any time. So when enchant wor when world enchantments were something that was a little more common, a little more you know seen more frequently, uh, you would have world enchantments coming down a little faster. And so as soon as a new world enchantment came down, the old one got sacrificed into the graveyard. So, to, yes, to give for one green mana to give all creatures haste, it works for your opponent's creatures too, but odds are it wouldn't stick around forever. Someone else would probably have another world enchantment of it. Our next card is Lava Runner. Lava Runner is very similar in many ways to Viashino Sandstalker at the beginning. Uh, it is a creature lizard, though. It costs one generic, red, red. It gets you a 2-2. Two, two. It has whenever Lava Runner becomes the target of a spell or ability, that spell or ability's controller sacrifices a land. And haste. Uh, this card comes to us from Mercadian Masks, and that is the first set where we see the actual haste keyword appear. And next to the haste, it has in reminder text. This creature may attack and tap the turn it comes under your control. So not much too really interesting about the card other than the fact that that is the first set where we see that haste keyword appear. Chris, one more, and I know this one in particular is one of your pet cards. You really enjoy it. So tell us about Agnes. So it's Agnes the Dragon's Leash. Sorry, Dragon's Lash. Um, it's a legendary creature, Verashino Warrior. It costs one Rakdos Hybrid, red, and Gruel Hybrid. So one red or black, red, red <coughs> or green. Um, so mana value of four. Has haste, and whenever a creature you control with haste attacks, create a tap treasure token, and he's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, so it started with Arcades with my Defender Triple, and yep. then Agnes came around. Well, yeah, I built Agnes after yeah. and had it mm -hmm. as Haste Tribal. I actually have Concordant Crossroads in my Agnes deck. Yep. Um, so he cares about haste. Plain and simple. That's it. If you if you attack with a creature with haste, you get a you get a treasure token. Yeah. It does come into play tapped, but there's ways around it. Uh, and that's that's trying to bring treasure tokens in and make it so they're not as broken as they have yeah. But yeah, a great hasty creature and one of the new ones, one of the from one of the more recent sets, and very flexible in its mana cost. Yes, much easier to cast than many other three colors. The dominant colors that we're looking at, 
we have six in white, and of those six, only one of them actually has haste. It's a Chroma Angel of Wrath. The other ones just mention haste. And we have nine in blue, and again, only some of those actually have haste. We have 54 in black, of which many of them actually have haste. We have 650 cards in red. Ish. Ish. <laughs> and we'll get to why that is in a moment. We have 135-ish in green. We have about 195-ish multicolor. 54 colorless cards, and 7 lands. Now, our listeners will notice there's a lot of red cards that have haste. Now, yes, haste is dominantly a red mechanic, and it gets into the idea of what red is all about. It's it's um, acting out as on your immediate ideas, your desires, you're trying to deal damage quickly, and not really planning as much for the future as let's get it done now if we can. But a majority of the reason you see that many red cards also has to do with how many cards give temporary haste to other creatures. There are a number of cards in red, such as Act of Treason, which enable you to steal a creature from another player, give it haste, untap it, and then return it to the, cre- to the original owner at end of turn. So, while yes, there are a lot of red cards with haste, and there are a lot of red creatures haste, don't get me wrong. There are also a number of cards in red that actually give haste to creatures, and cards like Act of Treason are one of the big reads. Expedite. Yeah, another, yeah, another great that, That's example. an instant that gives yeah. haste. Yeah. So, dominantly red, a little bit of green, a lot of multicolor. Chris, what kind of decks do we see running haste? So... Sometimes there are decks that emphasize haste, i.e. Nukapana with the Blitz mechanic, uh, Tarkir with Dash, uh, Time Spiral with Suspend. Um, Which Suspend gives your creatures haste when they come into play after, they're, after they've been suspended. So, And all of these mechanics give creatures haste in one, one way or another, mm-hmm. um, but not many creatures have haste instinctively per, uh, intrinsically per set. Um... Temporary control spells, as you said, also give haste. So there aren't any, I mean, Agnes excluded. Agnes is a unique one that actually does build around the idea with haste, but it was more the idea of blitz and creatures with blitz coming in. They'll have haste when they come into play, and so you'll be able to create that tap treasure token. Uh, yeah. I believe Unearth also has haste. Unearth, yes, they do get they get haste as well. Yeah, because they go away after the end of turn. Yep. So if they didn't have haste, there'd be no sense. You you do see a lot of mechanics that grant haste temporarily, but rarely do you see a deck or a, a an archetype that's built around solely haste. It's usually haste in addition to something else, and they're granted haste because something else is going to happen. You know, Dash puts it back in your hand. Suspend, they let you have haste because that creature has been suspended for a couple turns. So if you didn't get to just play it and then attack with it, it's not as good. Not that suspend is great anyway, but, you know, for most cards anyway. But otherwise it would be downright terrible for creatures if it didn't have haste. Um, let's talk about how we actually use haste. In, in a set. If you're playing with haste, you have a couple questions you really need to ask yourself. First, how many hasty creatures do you actually have in your deck? And again, this varies from set to set, constructed format to constructed format, 
how many you'll actually use, the archetype you're trying to actually incorporate and play makes a big difference as well. Will you really be able to attack with them the turn they come into play? And this is something that I, I think not a lot of people really look at when they're talking haste. Abilities like Blitz and Dash require haste. As if they didn't, then there'd be no point. Blitz wouldn't matter. Dash wouldn't matter. They wouldn't get the bonus. They wouldn't get the ability. They wouldn't get the reason for the mechanic at all. But if you're going up against, say, a big green stompy deck, and you have a little 1-1 goblin hasty guy, there's really not much point to it having haste, because odds are the green deck is going to have a big creature any time after you know turn 4 or 5, your little 1-1 with haste probably doesn't matter. It could. Sometimes you just need that extra one point of damage, but odds are it's not really. Well, what if you had something to augment the uh, creature attacking? Well, see, and that then that's a different that's a different point. And if you're able to do an equipment deck, say, well, or I was thinking along deck, the lines you know. of uh, cavalcade or raid bombardment, where if a small creature attacks, right. it it uh, that enchantment would deal damage. So even yeah. though you might lose it you would still be able to deal damage to them. And that's that's part of your deck construction, you know, and that that's something you need to take into consideration because you're right, if you have Cavalcade of Calamity out and you have that little 1-1, one, one, especially there's a there's a 1-1 one, one little Rakdos Imp that when it dies, it deals one damage to any target, right? And you get to pick. So at that point, yes, if you have, if you can give that creature haste somehow, because I don't think it has, but if you can give that creature haste and you swing in with it, well, Cavalcade of Calamity is going to deal some damage, and then they have to make a choice. Are they going to kill the creature and let you deal one damage to anything, or are they just going to take the one? So all of those questions need to go through your mind when you're building a deck that is really focused on haste. And then, if you are going to do this, and you have that idea, you've figured out how many creatures you're going to use with haste and how it's going to work, you have to be aggressive. Because again, you only get one turn to benefit off of haste. After you've waited that one turn, it may as well have been you, that creature had summoning. It, the, one of the few creatures that actually matters is Agnes, Because Agnes looks back at the creature and says, does it have haste? Right? Doesn't matter if it's attacking turn one, turn two, it's down, turn three, it's down, whatever. Does that creature have haste? If it does, you're going to get a tapped treasure token. So that's one of the few, and I mean very few instances, where a creature with haste can attack the second turn that it's down and still matter. And that the haste still matters. Outside of that, you don't see it too much. You also want to pay attention to combat. When, depending on the format and the meta in which you play, you need to pay attention to how many blockers your opponent... Your best time to play haste creatures is when your opponent either has no creatures on the board, obviously, or if they leave no blockers. Because as soon as they go shields down and they think they're safe, that's your time to swing in with a hasty creature. So... Time your attacks carefully, and it's not just time your attacks, it's sometimes you need to sandbag a card in your hand and hold it back, especially if it's like a 2-2 or a 3-3 with haste, you might want to hold that back and play it off curve so that you can actually swing in and use haste effectively to get that damage into your opponent. Now, Chris, if you are the defender and you're facing down a deck that uses a lot of haste or even has hasty creatures in it, what do you do? Well, first and foremost, be prepared for an early attack. Um, so if they're on the play, they might be able to swing in when you have nothing on the board. So there's that. 
You also want to plan your own attacks accordingly. You don't swing with everything you you have. Leave up some blockers, and that will actually hinder hasty creatures. Uh, removal is only viable if you can kill it. Uh, well, remove that creature the turn it comes in. Um, again, we talked about that. It, it, haste usually only matters one turn. If you can't remove it until turn two, there's... I mean, get rid of it if you need to. It's not going to matter as much. Uh, and you'll also want to watch for creatures with attack triggers. Get rid of those before attackers are declared. Uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, uh, Scorch Spitter. Yeah. Um, whenever it attacks, it deals one damage to defending uh, um, to defending player. Uh, there's also cards like uh, Ishin, uh, Two Heavens. Yeah. Uh, where he has his. Uh, his ability is he doubles up attack triggers. Um, so you want to be careful of attack triggers because those can be just as potent as the creatures themselves. Right. Well, and, those, and with haste, I mean, you could think you're in good shape. Let's go back to that Ishin example because I've seen some decks get out of control with Ishin real quick. Um, if you have, if you think you're in good shape and Ishin is on the board, all of a sudden the the opponent may only need one more attack trigger from an enchantment that they have to really get rid of you. If they're able to drop a haste creature and you can't remove it, you know, if there's an attack trigger, whenever a creature attacks, deal one damage to target opponent, and you have two life left, well, Ishin just took care of that because of a hasty creature that you may not have seen coming. So, so speaking of Ishin and uh, attack triggers and everything, mm-hmm. uh, there was a video that I watched from... In- from MTG Goldfish. Okay. I believe it was. Uh, and it was a uh, Ishin deck, but it was Exalted. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's got to get huge. And he also had, <laughs> uh, he was playing it as five colors. Okay. Uh, he also had... Uh, so it's like Ishin was a hidden commander, or was it a, It wasn't a commander no, deck? No, it was a constructed. Okay, all right. All right. Um, and so he had uh, Abolition... Uh, the angel that gives everything exalted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can have multiple instances of exalted on a creature, uh-huh. and they will each trigger separately. They each trigger separately, yeah. Um, he also had Sovereigns of Lost Alara. Al- Sovereign of Lost Alara, yep. And he had uh, Eldrazi Conscription in there. Of course, giving it plus 10, plus 10. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, there was one game where he had the angel out, swung with one creature. Well, he had the angel and uh, Ishin out. And that... <laughs> and it had protection from black, and all he, all the opponent had was black creatures. Okay. <laughs> and so he swung in, and all of the exalted triggers went on, and then all the second round of exalted triggers went on. Oh, man. He swung for lethal. Oh, man. That's an interesting way to build. I might turn have to four. try that. I might have to, because I mean, I have like, most of an exalted deck you know, put together. Turn four or five, he swung for a lethal. Find a way to get in there. I have a couple... Co- Ooh, we might have some fun and a new way to play my <laughs> Exalted deck. All right. <laughs> so... Which leads right into our next segment. <laughs> well, what I was going to... How I'm going to tie all this back to haste is... I just had it. Give me a second. It's all okay. Right. I'm going to so, edit this out. All right. So, <laughs> Exalted plus, you know, attack triggers. Mm-hmm. So, Exalted plus haste is also very potent. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. even if you, even if it's later in the game, if you have some exalted creatures out, or uh, even battle cry, yeah, because battle cry is just toned down exalted, mm-hmm. and so even that w- little one one coming in turning sideways, yeah, hit, well, he could hit for a lot harder than and, you think. And if you have exalted creatures on the board, 
and your haste creature doesn't have exalted, one of the biggest detriments about an exalted deck is you start taking away creatures or permanents that give exalted triggers. If you have a haste creature that comes down and is able to attack but doesn't have exalted, it's still getting all the exalted triggers, but if it dies, then the the, the controller of it, you know, the, the, the player doesn't have to worry about losing an exalted trigger. So it, that, that can be really potent. I hadn't thought of that. We might have to put some of that in. We're going to have to get some red in my Exalted deck. Make it a four-color deck now. Um, this really gets in like into our, our next bit about how we see it in different formats. Um, Haste really does appear in decks that run red. Let's be honest. You don't... Uh, I mean, I have, yeah. <laughs> I have a Legacy and a modern version of Red Deck Wins, and yeah. both of them are pretty much the same deck with, you know, certain cards, you know, swapped yeah. out and whatnot. But, I mean, all of... All uh, uh, I would say about ninety percent of all the creatures in those decks have haste, just because that's that's the route that I took my red deck wins. Yeah, I went. I wanted it to be aggressive. I wanted it to be low to the ground, but I also wanted it to be explosive. And exactly. so, by being able to get a lot of creatures out, swing fast, swing hard. Exactly. Um, the the EDH decks that you typically see with haste, they are running red of some sort, you know, whether it's Agnes, where you're running black, red, green, or you're running, uh, what's the, the Praetor, um, Urbrask, that lets, you know, your creatures have haste and causes all the other creatures to tap. The original Urbrask. The original Urbrask, great. Um, again, that's mono red. You don't see a lot of people playing Concordant Crossroads, because it gives everything haste, and in a four-player game, that's too much, you know. Um, but there Mass are... Hysteria, though, in red, again... But there are ways to offset. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's multiple cards that cause your creature, your opponent's creatures to enter the battlefield tapped. Right, and uh, negates Ur that haste, yeah. Urbrask, um, that one drag, uh, that mm -hmm. one dinosaur from Ixalan. So you could use Cohort and Crossroads to your advantage, yes. but and also hinder. But you need to have opponent. something else. Yeah. Right, right, it, right. It starts getting out of that one two-card-ish to yeah. more. So, but you do see haste. I mean, you will you will see it pop up everywhere. You rarely see a deck focused around. It doesn't happen too frequently. But like your red deck wins is a great example. But that is not necessarily the rule. More of an exception to have a bunch of creatures with haste. Um, but you do you do see it. It pops up everywhere, and usually a creature or two, depending on the archetype. Yeah, very common, and one that's definitely not going away. That's an evergreen ability that is going to stick around. <laughs> yep. And speaking of abilities and cards that will stick around for a long time, let's move into our next segment. The scuttlebutt for this week is Dominaria United spoilers. Now, so, well, we aren't going to spoil cards per se. No, we're but, not that important for wizards to get our own spoiler yeah. card. Plus, it's really hard to spoil a card when we're a talk podcast, not yeah. So, MTG under the hood, artistic version. <laughs> And down the road, we might have, we, we might start up a YouTube. Yeah, that's probably like five years in the making. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so we'll highlight some of our favorite cards. First and foremost, stained glass lands. Hands down, those are absolutely beautiful. Yes, I think they look fantastic. Um, I, I would add on a number of the stained glass legends from the set also look fantastic. The, the showcase cards, definitely a home run. In my in, in well in both of our opinions on this set, nice job, Wizards. They look fantastic. Uh, I, when we start talking about some of our favorite cards too, I think one of the cards a lot of people are happy to see coming back is Liliana of the Veil. 
This is a Planeswalker that was originally printed in Innistrad, and the original Innistrad, by the way. And it's, it's had a couple reprints, but it's still a really expensive card. So to see it getting another reprint is fantastic, and I know a lot of people are excited about that. Um, oh, I don't know. There's, yeah, they've spoiled a lot of the cards already by the time we're recording. Um, it's, fun, it's cool to see Weatherlight completed. That is, that's going to be interesting. So the Weatherlight becomes a Phyrexian. Fun, fun. Wait, it's a 5-5 five five with flying. Ah, so it can't attack. Yeah, you have, it has to have four more Phyresis counters on for it to become, uh, be able to attack, yeah. So, in order for it to become a creature. Yeah. But, I mean, there's also, but, you know, as we kind of saw a little bit ago, they're continuing the trend with another Praetor showing another up. Another Praetor, yeah. And this one is Shieldred, which I'm actually kind of happy about. She's going to be going into Conrad. Of course, of course, you know. Uh, can't go wrong there. Um, I like the, the Return of Sagas. Those are nice. Uh, always a fun, different idea for the enchantment concept. We have a number of great legendary creatures that are coming in here. Uh, we have some new ideas for how they're going to use the Phyrexian mana approach, where you can pay life instead of actually paying mana to cast a spell. So we got, we got a lot of good stuff. And we have some familiar characters that are showing up in this one. We've already highlighted Liliana, Shieldred. Uh, but we're also going to see Karn, Jaya, Ajani... Um, we're going to see a lot of the, a lot of characters from Dominaria over the years. We have Xur, we have uh, Braids, although I'm still trying to figure out Braids and how that works, but that's okay. Um, we're going to see uh, Namada comes back, Joyra comes back. Namada, by the way, originally from, I want to say the Apocalypse set, uh, was the original Namada, so we're going to do that. And, of course, Squee! Uh, Squee is like... By far, like one of my favorite goblins because I have uh, Squee the Immortal, which you can cast him from exile or your graveyard. Yes, he keeps coming back. <laughs> he, he just keeps coming back. Um, and to see him show up again just makes me really happy. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have Limdul, or the as he is known in this, this set as the uh, Raven Man. Uh, he, his character actually goes quite back into Magic's history. Uh, and all of the different interactions that he has had with with different characters, especially Liliana. We have a number of the people who are crew on the Weatherlight currently. We have Rafe Capuchin, who is always important there. I think we have, oh, who is the Benalian, um, Danatha, Danatha something, I forget her last name, but she's coming back. So we have a lot of returning characters Again, some of the interesting reprints we've seen, primarily Lily of the Veil. Liliana the Veil is probably the most interesting reprint that we have seen from the set. But we're also getting the Painlands back. So the Painlands were originally printed in, I think, the Invasion set. Um, and no, Invasion or Odyssey block, I forget. Uh, long, long time ago. But anyway, they are able to tap for a colorless. Or you can tap for one of two allied colors, allied or enemy colors, um, by taking one damage. So, um, really good cards, a lot of fun. Oh, really? They didn't... No, I know they weren't part of Ice Age. Really? They were part of Ice Age? We're talking about the Painlands here, because I know I have Painlands from a different set. Well, 
So maybe the Adarkar Waste was was one of the ones that was printed. Maybe they only printed the Allied ones. Or maybe it was the... I don't know. All I know is I have one, and I think it's from the Odyssey set. Anyway, uh, but they are... They, those were reprinted. So... And we're getting some really cool mechanics with the set as well. So we have Kicker that's making a comeback, but with a new twist this time. You can, on many of the cards where it says Kicker, typically Kicker has just one Kicker cost that you can pay, or Multi-Kicker enables you to pay that cost multiple times. Uh, with Kicker this time around, most of the cards have Kicker where it gives you one mana cost, then and or, and another mana cost of a different color. So meaning you could, for example, Stronghold Arena. Uh, it is an enchantment for one and a black, but its kicker cost is kicker one green and or one white. And so you may pay an additional green, an additional white, or an additional green and white as you cast the spell. And if you kick it, depending on how many times it was kicked, whether it's once or twice, you get bonus effects. Um, we're still waiting on the precise rules on how this kicker is going to work, just to make sure that we're pretty sure you can only kick it a maximum of two times at that point. But good stuff. Good stuff coming around. Uh, yeah. So uh, another one that's coming back is Domain. And Domain, uh, there's a plethora of effects for that revolve around Domain in this one. Yeah. Um, some of them deal with counter. Some of them deal with life loss, drawing cards, stuff but, like that. But what yeah. it... What it focuses, what it really cares about is um, basic land types among lands you control. Mm -hmm. So basic land types are uh, island, what is it? plains, island, mountain, swamp, forest. Not waste. We want yes. to point that out. Wastes are not a basic land type. They are a basic land. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen domain for a while. Uh, I forget the last set that it was. Know what you're trying to draw in the air there, but <laughs> with your sound effects, but yeah, it, it's been years since we've really seen a set. Uh, another one that's really interesting is the new ability Read Ahead. This is on the sagas, and instead of your saga coming in on chapter one, you can read ahead, and, and read ahead is uh, choose a chapter and start with that many lore counters. Uh, Add one after your draw step and sacrifice it after the third one, the last one is added. So for like the phasing of Zalfir, uh, it has read ahead. The first two chapters of it are uh, another target non-land permanent uh, phases out. It can't phase in for as long as you control phasing of Zalfir. And then its third chapter is destroy all creatures for... Uh, each creature that is destroyed this way, its controller creates a 2-2 black Phyraxian creature token. So what you can do with that one is, if you just want to have it as a board wipe, you can read ahead to chapter 3 and just destroy everything and give everyone tokens. I think it's nice how you generously called that a board wipe. <laughs> Let's call it a board wipe. I'm going to give all my opponents 2-2 Phyraxian tokens, and maybe me, equal to the number of creatures they had, but it's a board wipe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> that that's a terrible card, by the way. But that's a different point. <laughs> well, I mean, but it gets it, it does. You're right. It gets across the point of read ahead and what it's supposed to be. But yeah, that's a terrible card, and it might work in limited. But outside of that, it's gonna be terrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, another one with read ahead that I found really interesting, especially with me brewing brewback. Uh, it's founding the third path. 
has read ahead as well. First chapter is you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value one or two from your hand without paying its mana cost. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Two. Uh, second chapter is target player mills four cards. And then third chapter is exile target instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy. Yep. So, and for two mana, if you really just need to exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, copy it. You may cast the copy. Okay. That's one of those cards, though, that I think the only saving grace is that it has to be done at sorcery speed because it's an enchantment. So you can't just, like, flash this in at a moment's notice and be like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to go ahead and exile this sorcery and cast it on your end step. This is one of those, I think because of read ahead, it's actually a little busted. <laughs> and well, here I know, yes, you'll probably want to have it come down on chapter two so you can mill the cards and three resolve the next turn. But I think if you play it later on in the game, you're just going to hard cast it, hit chapter three, do that instant sorcery spell, because um, you're not paying for it. You're just copying it. Yeah, you got to exile the card, but odds are you're not going to cast it again anyway. Well, here's what so. I'm here's what I'm thinking. This now this is a little bit of you know magical Christmas land. Mm-hmm. You force your opponent to search their library. Okay. Or yeah, so your opponent searches their library during one of your main phases. You know, just you know something right. di- something died. And yeah. they something died, they home, um, and they got to search for something. Well, then you can play an archive trap for zero. You not in this set, but yes, you well, could. Well, all right, this is this is <laughs> yeah. in modern. Yeah, archive trap. Yeah. Well, second main phase, you go to chapter three, exile it. Yeah, you could, and you can pay the alternate cost of zero. Um, Do you have? Can you pay the alternate cost of zero? I I. Because it well, says you may pay zero rather than the... Actually, you're not, you're not casting it. You're copying it, so there is no cost to pay. I thought, it, I thought you had to pay for it if it's... A... I didn't know, because you're copying it and putting it on the grave. Oh, you may cast the copy. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, you would be able to co- cast it for... The, for its trap cost. Yeah. 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 So, archive trap for 13 cards. All right. For a total of two mana, 26 cards. Yeah, Magical Christmas Land, it might work. We'll see, but you're right. I mean, it is a combo that could be get put together. And then the last one that we're going to talk about is Enlist. Now, where is a card with Enlist? Enlist is an interesting mechanic. So, it basically, it was actually, someone described it as two-creature banding, which is a really interesting way to put it because they're really right. So, when you enlist a creature... As this creature attacks, all right, the creature with enlist, as it attacks, you may tap a non-attacking creature you control without summoning sickness, hence summoning sickness coming back into the game, and when you do, you add its power to this creature's until end of turn. Now, notably, you only add its power, not its toughness, only its power. It has to be a creature without summoning sickness, and you're still only attacking, like, with the one creature. The other one is just sort of there, and you're not able to attack with it. It enables creatures to go tall instead... Or enables you to attack tall with a lot of power instead of attacking wide with multiple creatures. I think, I think, you'll be able to pull this off once. Someone is going to be able to pull off an enlist deck at pre-release, and they might do really well with it. And after that, people are going to catch on to how Enlist works, and Enlist is going to be a terrible miss, not viable. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of, you know, Enlist and Galta. 
I mean, you could, <laughs> yes. And and it would work, except there's no trample. If you, you have to somehow give the creature within list Brawn. trample. Right, but in, in limited, that's not happening. Yeah. That's not available to us. So if you can give the creature trample in some way, enlist becomes so much better. But we're not there yet. We don't have a creature with enlist, so or excuse me, an enlist creature with trample. So we're kind of stuck right now. At least I can't find one. Yet. There may be one, or it just hasn't. Been. I I don't think it's going to work out all that well. It might surprise me. Like I said, I think enlist is going to work pre-release weekend. And then after that, people are going to figure out how to beat it, and it's not going to be a problem. It's just going to be... But one that we are excited about are stun counters. Yes! Now, this this effect has actually been around for a while, um, and it, it's, a, it's found mostly on blue cards. Stun counters enable you to tap down a creature for multiple turns. So blue has had for a long time... Uh, target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap. Yeah, right, that, that's been a staple Frost blue, giant. right? Been a staple blue mechanic for Frost Titan, sorry. more than a decade at this point. All right, but now with stun counters, the creature doesn't untap as long as it has a stun counter on it, and then you remove one stun counter if you on were. every upkeep. Yeah, if you were to untap it, remove a stun counter instead. So if you can get multiple stun counters on a creature, that's going to be fantastic. Not in limited. Again, not unlimited, but outside of that, proliferating stun counters going to make it so you can basically tap down creatures permanently. Oh, it's it's going to be... I like this one. This one, it's it's going to be frustrating to play against, I know. But I think it's really starting to give Blue some more permanent removal. And it's enough to where it's very Blue-like. It works in the color pie. It's a little permanent than what it normally has. But at the same time, it also isn't like black, red, or white removal, where it just removes the creature from the board entirely in one way or another. You can still get triggered abilities off. You can still activate abilities of creatures with stun counters. So um, I'm really excited. I like stun. So Chris, we've, we've talked a lot about Dominaria United. Um, what, let, let's look at this first. What are you least excited about with the set? So Least excited... Like what? What? What are you disappointed about when it comes to this set? And it can be anything about the set. It seems like it's the whole, you know, like kind of like power creep type deal thing, where there are just a there's a handful of cards that are like absolutely stellar, but it's only like you know ten, fifteen at most, twenty of them are absolutely amazing. The rest of it just feels like draft, mm-hmm. just feels like draft chapped. I mean, there's some cards that you know I'm actually really excited for, like. Some ones that some that kind of like really surprised me or whatever, but for the most part, it, it's just it feels like just kind of going through the motions again with another magic set. But other than that, like I'm looking forward to well, one you know new cards. Oh, of course, yeah. And like I think I've already figured out the commander for a couple of decks that I okay. I kind of want to think about. Um, for and I can't get you know, tiny leaders out of my head. So I'm looking at them. It's like, all right, you're a tiny leader. You're a tiny leader. You're a tiny leader. Like there's a lot of good cards in here. Mm-hmm. It's just like enlist is an interesting mechanic. I mean, I, I like it. Okay. But at the same time, like there's only a handful of creatures with it. Right. Well, at the, at this time, there's at this only time, a handful. Yeah. We, we, we haven't we finished previously. Yeah. We haven't finished spoilers. Um, the defilers, those ones 
are those ones are looking good. Yeah. Um, the Defilers are so far right now. There's a blue, a white, and a green one. And essentially, their big ability is they turn the color. They turn uh, either the blue, the white, or the green, respectively. Turns the pips and the mana cost essentially into Phyrexian mana to where you can pay life rather than the colored mana for it. So yeah. So I guess if there's something that I'm disappointed about, I I honestly got to say I the way I'm looking at the set right now, I can't tell if they're trying to make a two color set or a three color set. And I have a strong suspicion that we just we just came off of a three color set with New Capenna and they didn't balance it. Two colors ran away with the game. Basically, red and black were nigh, or in, in a color combination, were nigh unplayable. Red was almost, like, non-existent. People didn't want to draft red, didn't want to play red, um, if they didn't have to for New Capenna. And I'm concerned that they didn't have enough time to, well, there wouldn't have been enough time for them to actually play test this any better to make sure that it actually is balanced. And so we might run into some problems with it once it actually gets out into the wild. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, we do have we have solid two-color uh, signpost uncommons that they've started doing pretty regularly. But again, we have so many creature cards out there or kicker cards that are kicking for two different colors that aren't in the mana cost and aren't the actual color of the card that I am a little concerned as to what's going on with. Um, I guess my excitement is all of the new legendary cards. I think it's really cool how they're bringing out all of these old creatures from the previous storyline. Uh, for example, Namada, Primeval Warden, is a tree folk that first appeared, you know, back, I think, Apocalypse. Um, I'm actually, I've actually seen that there are several creatures up here that originally premiered in Legends. And so now Solkanar is a great example of that. Solkanar was originally in the Legends cycle or the legend set, and now he's coming back. He's being his own creature. Um, we have... Zer, jo Joyra. Yeah, Joyra making a new presence. Um, we even have... Now, these are some of the ones that are coming out with... I want to say in, like, the Commander supplemental. Like, you can find them somewhere. Um, but we have Torsten. We have Hazazon, Shaper of Sand, who we haven't seen him for a long time. Tetsuo, Imperial Champion. Um... We have Orca, the Siege Demon. We have Ramses, Assassin Lord. I mean, Rasputin, the Neuromancer. Uh, yes, a new Stang coming down. So, a Roga, Roga, Carekeep Overlord. I mean, these are some really iconic characters from, from the history of Magic that are now coming back and they're, they're seeing new cards, new versions of their character. I'm excited about the set, but with cautious optimism. I'm excited to go do pre-release. That's going to be fun. But we'll see how it goes uh, and exactly how good the set is. All right, Chris, any other thoughts on Dominaria United or Haste? Oh, well, Haste is fast. Yes, unlike this episode, it did not go very fast. We thought it was going to go fast. <laughs> it did not. We'll see how it goes. Um, we got a week and a half until pre-release, and we should have all of the cards by the time this episode comes out. So, fun times. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, so... Let's clean up. So, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give us your feedback on what you think of uh, Dominaria United, or if you have any fun, janky things you can do with uh, Haste, 
Feel free to email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. Or you can also hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.